I want to start off this morning with a little story. A little girl was invited for dinner at the home of her first grade friend. The vegetable was buttered broccoli, and the mother asked her if she liked it. Oh, yes, the child replied politely. I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, she she declined to take any. The hostess says, I thought you loved broccoli. The girl replied sweetly, oh, yes, ma'am, I do, but not enough to eat it. (laughs) I kind of can relate with that little girl, right? I kind of can relate. So, you know, there's so many times we use this word love. I love this. But it's like, what does love really mean? You, You know, they mentioned that in my old age, maybe I'm becoming more like Ed in thinking of songs, but Tina Turner sings this song, right? What's love got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? Is that what love is, really? It's a second-hand emotion? Wait a minute, that's not, the, that's not the love that our God is talking about, right? So this morning, I've titled my message, What Love Is and Isn't. And have you ever played the game 20 Questions? Right? So if you never played the game 20 questions, I've got to tell you, is it a person, place, or category? Uh, or tell you my category, person, place, or thing. And once I tell you, you've got 20 questions that I can only answer with a yes or no. And then you try to guess. Or if you can guess earlier, we do that. So we're just going to start off for a minute. I'm going to tell you that I'm thinking of a person. Now, if you were a smart person, you might start off with a couple of these questions. You might say, well, is the person famous? And I'd say, yes. Is the person living? Yes. Are they a movie star? No. Are they in politics? Yes. Anybody know? Don't guess yet. Just think about it. You might know, you might not. Now, maybe you'd start this line of questioning. Are they boastful? No. Are they proud or rude? No. Are they patient? Yes. Are they jealous? No. Do they keep a record of wrongs? No. Are they kind? Yes. Are they irritable? No. Now, anybody want to guess? Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about God. Yes, this is, this is who God is. I was describing God in 20 questions, and we got him in less than 20. How about that? So where does this come from? It comes from 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. It's talking about who God is. This is God's definition of love, and God is love, right? So it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. That's who God is. So just for a minute before we pray... You know, when I told you that story about the little girl with broccoli, I had my own experience with broccoli when I was younger. Um, I did not, I'm not a big fan of broccoli. Today, I, I tolerate it. But when I was growing up, my mom made broccoli not the way we make it today. My wife is an amazing cook. She'll, you know, roast it and she'll steam it and different things, cheese sauce maybe. But my mom used to put all the frozen broccoli in a pot of water, boil it, and then serve it with the water in a bowl, right? And you're supposed to drink the water and eat the broccoli, and it was mushy, and I just, just couldn't do it, you know? So anyway, all of us kids around the table, she serves all the broccoli, you know, ladling it out with the broccoli, blump, blump, splash, splash, you know, and then everybody gets a bowl, and I'm just letting my bowl go from, you know, hot to warm to cold, because I'm not touching this broccoli over my dead body. I can't eat it, you know? So as the meal goes on, she's like, Gregory, 
And then she calls out my oldest brother, Paul, eat your broccoli. Okay, mom, got it. Not eating my broccoli, I'm just trying to fly under the radar, you know. Uh, then my mom gives the threat. Now, as parents, you know, if you're going to give a threat, what do you got to do? You got to back it up, right? She's like, boys, if you don't eat your broccoli, I'm going to pour it over your head. Okay, mom. And now we're waiting. Like, is this going to happen or not? So the meal ends, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can just, like, clear the plates and start this whole... Boys, come over to the sink. I'm going to pour that broccoli over your head. So I'm like, pour it over my head. What do I care? Like, I'll, I'll just get a little wet, but at least I don't have to eat it. My brother, he doesn't want to be embarrassed because he's the oldest, right? The oldest boy anyway. So he starts scooping up his broccoli, and I'm like, do it, mom. Just pour it over my head. And my mom took the bowl of broccoli, and she just dumped it all over my head. Juice, everything, draining. Got, now go upstairs and change your shirt. And I'm like, yes, I didn't have to eat the broccoli. Is what I'm thinking on the inside. I did not say that, though I was very respectful. But, you know, funny thing after that, I don't know. I just started to eat my broccoli. It's, it's a very weird thing. So this morning, we're not really talking about broccoli. I'm not going to pour anything over your head. But I do think there's a, an inward heart, right, that, that we can be open to what God wants to talk to us about or we can be like, yes, I got away with it and I didn't have to listen, I don't have to do anything, right? I want us to open up our hearts to the word of God this morning. So can we just pray as we look into 1 Corinthians 13? Lord, I, I thank you that there's something here for us today. God, I, I don't want to just look at these verses with a natural eye. Lord, I want your spirit to say something to each of us, to to our spirits. But God, I I know that we have to open up our hearts if we're going to listen to you. So Father, we choose to open up our hearts to your spirit today. Father, as you speak, would we listen and would we be like that wise man? Would we obey? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's just read this again. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. You know, and when we look at love and we think about all the love songs and we think about, you know, how we can say we love something and then we, well, not enough to eat it, you know, like love is a very interesting word, and and here's why it's so interesting. In the Greek language, there's actually nine words that all translate love. Nine words. So, you know, I'm saying I love it. You're talking about love. We can have nine different flavors of love going around. And that's why you see love used in so many different contexts. I'm only going to cover four this morning. And actually, there's only three Greek words that are translated love that are, that are found in the New Testament. So while there might be nine, the writers of the Bible only use three. So the first one I'm going to talk about is phileo. It's sometimes referred to as sometimes referred to as brotherly love. It's a strong emotional connection. And it's used to describe a love or a deep friendship between friends. But it can also apply to like, I love ice cream or, oh my gosh, I love your hair, right? That's all fieo. I'd like to say phileo, but I butcher names. So the real pronunciation is fieo. Then there's eros. That's the Greek word for romantic or sexual love or passionate love. This word has a very big effect on the English language because that's the love we're celebrating on Valentine's Day, all right? Um, It's very important to have this kind of love in a marriage, but this is the Greek word we do not see in the Bible. You won't find eros, translated love in the Bible. Storge is love and affection that naturally occurs between parents and children, love between siblings. It's also a love that exists between husbands and wife in a good marriage because it's that love and affection that naturally occurs, all right? And then lastly, 
there's a, a word translated love called agape. Maybe you've heard of this word before. It's the Greek word that we're finding in 1 Corinthians 13. And this word is the very nature of God, right? This word describes who God is. Agape is love because of what it does, not because of what it feels. Now, it doesn't mean it can't feel anything, but it's, it's a love that's based on action because of what it does. So when it says, for God so loved the world in John 3.16, the love is he loved an agape love. And he loved the world so much, what? That he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us that we wouldn't perish, but we'd have eternal life. Did he do it? Because Jesus, this is going to feel good. Go to the cross, like get nails through your hands and get a spear in your... No, it doesn't, didn't feel good, but it was the right thing to do. See, that's the nature of God. Agape love is because of what it does, not because of how it feels. Um, so... As we know that that's what agape love is, that's who God is, I want to now go back and look at the verses 4 and 5, but I'm going to start, we're going to walk around love this morning, kind of seeing the different aspects. And sometimes, you know, if, if, if I get a choice, you want, the, you want to know the bad news or the good news, what are you going to take first? Sometimes I, I like to, give me the bad news first, because then the good is just going to seem sweeter, right? So I'm going to start with what love isn't instead of with what love is. We're going to end with where, what love is. So what love is not. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Wow. That's a lot. Right? But that's not what love is. But, but how many times, so as I look at this, right, this is God's love, but God asks you and I to love with the love that he has for us. He wants us to give that kind of love to other people. So this is, this, this is the measuring stick. And I'm like, okay, if the measuring stick is here, I'm, a, I'm about here, right? So, so, Agape love, remember, it's not just what you feel, it's really what you do. So think about, have you ever been jealous or envious of someone? Like, wow, that person's got it all put together. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could drive their car. I wish I could have clothes like they had. And maybe, so, so what does that do for you? Like, you think it, but do you start to treat them differently because of that jealousy or, or envy? Do you start to maybe prefer them? Or do you start to diss them because you're angry that they have those things and you don't have those things? Like, that's what goes on in our mind. But God says, no, love doesn't have any jealousy. You can't have jealousy and be loving like God has. Not boastful or proud. How many of you have ever gone fishing? Right? When, it, when you come back, how big's the fish? Oh, yeah, I caught a fish that was this big, Right? Sometimes we embellish, we exaggerate a little bit. Why? Because it makes the story more interesting. It was just a little, you know, hey, don't be boastful. Like the fist was puny, okay? I had to throw it back because it wasn't a keeper. <laughs> That's what really happened, you know? But, but love is not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. Oh, man. Like how many times can I be rude or could you be rude? I, I think like Rude is one of those things, if I really think about it, I'm going to be depressed because I'm probably rude often. I'll give you one example. You ever send a text to someone and not get any response back? Isn't that rude? Okay, but you know who does it more and more? Ah, me. I'm so sorry. Like if, if you've texted me and I haven't texted you back, I'm sorry. I ask forgiveness for all those times. But that, like, it can be rude when we ghost someone. But God's never going to be rude. See, some of you may think God's ghosting you because he hasn't answered your prayer. No, God, is, he's heard your prayer and he's working things out. It just takes a little time for the puzzle pieces to move. God is not ghosting any of us. But if someone texts you, answer him back. Even if it's just, hey, I'll get back to you later. 
That's a good thing. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to, to learn and to grow in that, not to be rude. Love does not demand its own way. So how many of you would describe yourself as decisive and passionate people? Anybody? Decisive, passionate, dominance, right? Today, if you want to learn more about yourself, Growth Track 2 downstairs, as Ben mentioned, it is a lab. And we go through what's called a DISC profile. And it kind of lets you learn a little bit more about yourself with the intent of understanding if I can understand myself and understand how other people are wired. Now I know how I can relate better to other people. So if, if you're passionate, if you're, if you're driven for results, um, you could be a high D in, in this DISC profile, a D-I-S-C. I happen to be a high D. I also know that high Ds can be very demanding. Because as I'm driven for results, I want to get stuff done. So I'm pounding. I'll be task-focused and forget about treating you kindly and warmly and just like, go do it. All right, that's rude. That's demanding my own way. Right? So now that I know that about myself, that I'm a high D, okay, what can I do to compensate for that? Right? And one of the things I try to do instead of being demanding is I try to, like, can I focus on listening So, hey, if you're telling me something, so let me see if I'm understanding this right. Is this what you're saying? And I'm going to repeat it back to you. And when I do that, you're like, yes, great, that's it. And I'm like, okay, I listened. So instead of being demanding, I'm going to try to listen more. That's how I can offset my demanding nature. Love is not irritable. All right, I I got a story on this one. So my, my daughter and my son, Hannah and Dan, they just bought a house, right? So Meg and I are over there yesterday doing home projects and and Dan and I are, are mixing up mud for the first time. I've never mudded before, right? So neither is Dan. We're, we're both trying to figure it out. But it's got a 45-minute time because we want to, like, I want results. I want to get this thing on. I want it to dry. I want to sand it. I want to move again. I can't wait 24 hours, you know? So, like, we mix it up, and the clock started. And I forgot to set my timer. Ugh. But anyway, I know the clock is starting. So as Dan's doing it, I'm going to go look for another um, spatula downstairs. So I go downstairs. And Meg is in there. She's painting. I'm like, Meg, where's the spatula? Now, I didn't really say it very nicely. I was kind of irritable. And then she asked me a question. And I'm like, no, I'm looking for the spatula because I'm thinking I got 45 minutes. The clock is ticking. So then Meg, my beautiful, lovely wife, says this to me. Hey, how's your message going? You're preaching on, you're preaching on love, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. The sass. My sassy wife. That's what I love about her, but man, she got me right in the heart because I was irritable. And she knows these verses, and I'm like, oh, you killed me, Meg. You just killed me. Um, Don't worry, we made it up. Everything's good. But I'm like, that was just the perfect line. That was just the perfect line. Love keeps no record of being wronged. How many of us, when we forgive, we forget? Does that really happen? Is that true for anyone? Right, if you really have forgiven someone, you do forget it because that's God's level of love. That's what his love looks like. He forgets our sin. But sometimes here's what happens. I'm in an argument, and as we're talking about one thing, and I'm like, yeah, and you know what? It reminds me of this time, and it reminds me of this time, and this time, and this. And what am I doing when I'm calling up all those times and not staying focused on whatever the issue is? I'm talking about all the previous offenses that I haven't let go of. Right? I, I, I like to refer to them as bricks on a wall. Right, Every time an offense happened, a brick goes up on the wall. If it never got taken down, I just keep adding to it. You know? and, and after a while, when you and I are talking, this is what's happening. I'm naming all the bricks that I see in between me and you. All the things that have never got resolved. 
that's not keeping a record or not keeping a record of, of wrong. It's remembering all those things. But, but here's, what, here's what we can do. See, when a brick goes up, it comes down not by just talking about it. I like to refer, and Lender's going to laugh at this one because I shared it with him. It comes down by talking about it. Because, you see, I just want to talk and say, yeah, Meg, I'm sorry about that. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about this. And we're going to walk all the way around it. And you know what? She is so right when she does this with me and we do it together because we don't just say, okay, what happened? Okay, what were you thinking? Why would you say that? What would you do differently the next time? We kind of walk all the way around it and now it's resolved. The brick is off. And you know what? It never comes up again. It's amazing. But if I, if I just try to like, you know, slap some paint on it real quick, uh, you're still going to see what's underneath and, and it's going to come back up again. But, but love keeps no record of being wronged. What would it look like if we could actually love like that? It would be life-changing. If, if we could have this kind of love, it would be amazing. So now it goes on. What love is? Love is patient and kind. That's just, it blows you away when you think about, really, God, you had to start with patience? Like, that's the thing I lack the most of sometimes is patience. And you're telling me love is patient. Ah, but you know what? Here's why I love the fact that love is patient. Because that's who God is. God is patient with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're patient with me. Right? God is so patient with us that his desire is that none of us would perish but that we'd all have eternal life. So, you know, when we fail and we fail again and we fail again, guess who's still patient? God is. Oh, I need that. Guess who's still kind? God is. Because patience and kindness, they kind of go together. Did you know that Galatians 6 tells us the fruit of the Spirit? And kindness and patience are fruit. They're fruit of the Spirit. That's the nature of God. It's who God is. It's amazing when I think about patience and kindness that, that that's not only who God is, but now God wants me to do that. He, he wants me to love in the same way. And as Ed shared last week, it's not that I, I um, what's the word? Not that I should, right? This isn't a condemning thing. Hey, if you're not doing this, you got to do it. It's that you could do it. You get the opportunity. Oh my gosh. When we receive God's patience and kindness in our life, we're so grateful, Now, what if we could turn that around and be patient and kind with others? What would this world look like if we could disagree with patience and kindness with one another, right? I mean, the the world is going, you disagree with me, you're my enemy, and now I'm going to trash you, and I'm going to name call, and I'm going to put you down. And No, what about we just be patient and kind? That's the nature of who God is. It would change the world if we could be the lights that God's called us to be in this area, frankly, that we would have his patience, we would have his kindness, That kind of love is radical. And frankly, here's the thing. When I look at all this, the truth is I don't live up to it. And I don't know about you. Maybe you're doing better than I am. But but if you're doing better than I am, like, you know, we're both here and God's way up here, right? So, So here's the deal. If it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, how do I get more of that fruit? Right? To We need to receive agape love if we're going to give it. Right? It's not a love. Agape love is not a love that comes naturally to us as humans. It's, it's God's love. But if I don't receive God's love, I don't have a way to give it out. Right? It, it takes me receiving it to be able to give it. So, so it's kind of like, all right, if I want to try harder, 
sure, I can work on being less irritable next time, you know, I'm looking, I'm mixing up mud and I got a 45-minute class. Oh, sure, what would you like, Meg? I've got all the time in the world. This stuff is just going to dry and then it'll be useless. But, you know, I'll answer whatever question you might have. Please don't tell her I'm tell- I said that because she's in the nursery today. I hope she doesn't listen to this. She's going to be like, Greg, I can't believe you said that. Um, But yes, we could be more patient, we could be more kind, we could be less irritable, but if I've got to just try harder, I'm telling you today I'm going to fail. You're going to fail, right? So it's like thinking about this, do I earn my salvation? No, I receive it as a gift, right? That's how I I get God's salvation is I receive it as a gift. This is what Ephesians 2 says, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. Right? When we go down the road of we're boasting about how good we are. And man, I really conquered this patience thing and this kindness thing. I'm so, if we're boasting about it, it, isn't, it, God's not in it. Right? But when we can receive what God has done for us, this gift of salvation, this gift of Jesus who is love embodied right that's the definition of Jesus' love when we receive his love when we receive jesus as our savior it changes us it changes us from the inside out and that's if you want to love more like god loves trying hard is only going to move the needle a little bit what you really got to do is empty yourself and say god fill me Fill me with who you are, God. Let me spend time in your presence, time in your word, time praising you. And as I get more filled, boom, someone knocks me. Guess what's going to overflow? It's going to be his love because he's filled up my heart. Now, I got a choice. I can, I can receive this gift freely and say, yes, Lord, I want to receive it. But there's a catch. For me to receive it, I have to surrender to it, right? I have to bow my knee if I'm going to receive God's love. God gave Jesus as my Savior, right? That's what he sent Jesus, to atone for my sin, to pay for my sin. But have I ever given my life back to God? See, that's how we start. If you've never had that experience of salvation, you don't know this firm foundation. You don't know this love because you've never experienced it. God doesn't just want to be a God that, like, come into church. That's not experiencing God. That's just coming to church. Experiencing God is when you open up your heart and say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to, you gave your life for me, I'm going to give my life back to you, right? That's what it means when it says that we believe in Jesus. And if that's, that's the experience that starts our relationship, but now we need to grow in our relationship with Jesus. So if you recognize as we've gone through love's patient, it's kind, it's, it's not boastful, it's not rude, it's not envious, it's not irritable. Like if you see, ah, oh boy, that one, that one, that one. That, I need to grow in all these things, right? Fruit doesn't, we, 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 don't, we can't work harder to gain fruit. Fruit just grows out of what? Out of an abundance of what the tree is. It's, it's what's on the inside of the tree that makes the, grew, the fruit grow. I can't try harder to grow fruit. I have to receive more. I have to surrender more. So what is love and what isn't love? Love, agape love is the nature of God. God is patient. God is kind. That's what, that's what God calls us to be. If you're struggling with being patient and kind, it's because you need more Jesus in your life. And to have more Jesus, we need less of you, less of me, right? So it's like, I got to be emptied if I want to be filled. 
Love isn't jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. But if you want to, to love like this, it doesn't come in your own strength. I can't do it. I, I've, I will fail. I'll try. I'll try harder. I might move the knee a little bit. It starts with receiving who God is. Right? It starts with surrendering. So, so maybe you're here and you know Jesus. All right, if you want more of God's love, surrender more of who you are. Like in, in a fresh way, say, God, I surrender my life all over to you again. God, would you empty me of who I am that I can be filled with who you are and now I can go love like you, right? But, but maybe you're here this morning and you're coming to church thinking, wow, I'm doing such a good thing. I'm going to church. Going to church doesn't mean anything. It's like if you slept overnight in a garage, does it make you a car? No, it doesn't do anything for you. It just means you're cold, that's all, right? So, so coming to church isn't where it's out. Having a relationship with Jesus is how we start our, our firm foundation that we know our feet are, are planted on who he is. And this is how we start a relationship with Jesus. We pray. We pray and say, Jesus, you gave your life for me. Now I'm going to give my life back to you. I, I like to think about it this way. Any of you married, right? Maybe you wear a wedding ring, maybe you don't. But if you're married, you know you're married. How do you know it? You know it because you remember a wedding day. You remember a day that you made a commitment to the other person, right? And that's how you know you're married. Jesus made a commitment to us, and he sealed it with his life. And he's saying, will you make a commitment back to, you, to me? Will you give me your life just as I... Because when we commit our lives to Jesus, now we're in a relationship. That's, that's what God... That's why he sent Jesus, because he so badly wanted a relationship. And we couldn't. We try harder. We try this. We try that. We're never going to be better in our own strength. We need Jesus to, to work on us from the inside out. But it starts by receiving him and giving our lives to him. So could we just pray together for a minute? Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning and you know Jesus, you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and you want more of God in your life, and you're willing to say, God, I want to surrender more of who I am that I can be more filled, would you raise your hand and just tell me you're serious? You, you want to grow in who God wants you to be. All right, thank you for those hands. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, Greg, I don't know that I've ever had that wedding day experience with Jesus. I don't know that I've ever given my life. I've gone to church maybe all my life. But going to church doesn't mean you're in a relationship with Jesus. Going to church doesn't mean you had that wedding day. So if you're here and you've never prayed a prayer to say, God, I give you my life, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you as well. Is there anyone here this morning that would raise their hand? Thank you. See that hand. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. All right, let's pray together. So now I'm going to pray first to receive Jesus. And if you want to just repeat with me in the silence of your heart, it's what we say in our hearts that matters to God. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need you. God, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And, and now I give you my life. I commit my life to you. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Would you help me be filled with your love that I can love others in the same way? Amen. So if you prayed that prayer today, that today is your wedding day. Congratulations. Um, and now, Lord, we want to pray. I want to pray for all those that, that know you. But, Lord, they, they need to surrender more of who they are to you. 
Lord, I, I think of everyone that raised their hand. And Lord, even if some didn't raise their hand, but they're serious. They want to know you more. God, Lord, the way we get to know you more is we surrender more. We give, we give up who we are that we would be filled with you. And God, I pray that you, you start that work. You continue that work. Lord, show us the things. Lord, when, when I'm irritable, God, convict me of that, that I would apologize and then move on. Lord, that I would receive more of who you are, that I could give more of who you are. So I thank you for each one. I pray your blessing on them, Lord. Press down, shaken together, running over. Lord, we look for what you're going to do in us and through us this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you prayed the prayer with me today to receive Jesus as your Savior, if today's your wedding day, it just starts today, right? And I want to give you a book that will help you understand how to grow as a believer, to grow in your relationship with God. So please come see me afterwards. If you're online, just go to the contact us at the bottom of the the website and I can get you this book. So thank you so much for being here, each one of you. God bless you. Walk in love this week. All right, amen. Have a great week.